Welcome to the MMA on Point live chat where we're always on time. We're doing everything as quick as possible. We show up right on the dot at noon. I, I just don't know what to tell you guys. We just had a fun morning getting everything set up. Well, I guess it's afternoon now, so there's that. But what's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Um, if you're not familiar with me, what's up? Jason, co-owner of the channel. You already know me. We go to my boy, Lawton now. Lawton wants to say hi to everybody. What's up, hi. everybody? Sorry about the delay. Everything decided not to work. <laughs> so we were on like a six-week streak, and uh, yeah, then, then it got ruined. <laughs> Shout out to Carson for saying no sound. We actually tried out a bunch of new audio gear last night, tested the shit out of it. We're feeling super confident, and then just none of it worked today. Yeah, so that was the uh, everything the kind of just collapsed in our faces this morning. So it's going great. <laughs> JTVO says, "I'm sorry. Who are you? Uh, what's up, JTVO?" <laughs> and then of course, let's pass it on to our boy. Um, I think he's not actually here today. Oh. Oh, you already Too switched late. to him, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he's on the screen. Oh, there man. he is. Yeah. And he's got the mug. Wait, there it is. There's the picture. So he sent us this lovely picture of him today. He won't be able to make it, but there he is, P.T. Carroll, as a photo. My face is twitching. <laughs> my face <laughs> is twitching too much. I lost it. I'm sorry. Look at my jumper out, guys. It finally oh. arrived. Yes, Jason gave me a beautiful Christmas present. Look at that. Luke Thomas <laughs> getting drunk at his Christmas party. It looks like... But I'm only messing. Uh, that's what people were saying to me online. And look at this, though. Oh, my God. How magic is this? Oh. You can't even see it. You're blind. It's blinding. <laughs> look at that. It's so my beautiful. My very own golden mug. It's uh, it's the pride of the family. We have people coming from all over the country to take a look at it. They're like, is that a real one? We're like, yes, yes. All the leprechauns are outside thinking that they're trying to steal my gold. It's It's a terrible situation here. But I'm so happy to finally have my gold mug. What a beautiful, beautiful time to be alive, Jason. The faithful are praying to it. Um, it's just like exactly. that one time Jesus showed up on a piece of like cheese pizza because he was, was there, you know? Um, That's it. Well, good to have you back. Uh, good to get things rolling, feeling good. It's a nice Wednesday. We got a bunch of stuff going on. We got a big fight week coming up. Fights are back this week, finally. Feels like uh, a month. <laughs> turned into like a year for as long as that layover actually felt compared to how long it actually was. So we got, of course, Holloway versus Cater. We got a big one this weekend. They're going to be on ABC, which is huge, actually. Um, it's probably not as... It's kind of a weird thing because it's probably not as big as it was when the UFC was on Fox because I do think that TV was a bigger thing then. But if they went on Fox now, like ABC is bigger than Fox. Like... It's one of the traditional three networks. So for people that, you know, aren't from, you know, America and they don't necessarily know how TV works, it's a huge, 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 huge national network. It's considered the big three. Um, when you include Fox, that's kind of like the big four for big Fox. Um, so it's it's massive that they're actually on ABC here. Like, I think it's a, a big move. That was one of my concerns is when they moved over to ESPN, it's like, well, you're going from a national network and having the Fox shows at least a few times a year to that being gone. But no, because they're also owned by Disney. They're all one massive, ridiculous company. Everything's owned by Disney here, including Amazon. That's not true, but basically. And uh, so, yeah, they're finally using that connection. And uh, it feels like the right move, you know? So um, let me read a couple chats and we'll jump right into actually that main event. I think that would be fun. Happy hump day, Jason and PT. Shout out Lawton and hello and man point from Ryan Coates. What up, Ryan Coates? Good to have you back this week. Good to have our regulars up in here. 
Uh, shout out to everybody that's up in here. El Laliet. I did see Grayson. I saw Carson. We'll get that audio worked on for you. What up, Faith? Showing up to help out. Appreciate you. Um, Joey Smith, Andre Nortman. Appreciate you guys joining us in the chat. But yeah, so let me throw that question to you, PT. What is your take on Holloway versus Cater? And uh, do you care to give a prediction? It's it's a very close fight, but it is one of these fights that will put uh, Cater right at the top of the division. Like Max Holloway, a lot of people felt he won against Volkanovski in the rematch. Um, we even debated that just recently, Jason, if I'm not mistaken, at <laughs> the last show of 2020. Um, an incredibly close fight. He is um, of championship ilk. Um, Cater obviously fell in that kind of Zabit, Zabit fight a, a good while ago now that would have got him into this same situation. But um, an absolutely beautiful fight. Take all the ramifications out of it. It's going to be a fantastic fight. I think Cater's one of the most exciting strikers to watch. Holloway has always been in that conversation anyway. So I'm really pumped for it. And it has massive, massive, massive implications on the division. As we know, a lot of people don't even feel like Holloway should be fighting anyone else but the champion. Um, But it's an opportunity for him to underline his greatness once again. My prediction... I'm going to say Holloway. I think it's a it's mm. a it's a tossing kind of fight though, you know. I'm not going to I'm not going to debate you on um if you have Cater, I, I think it's a really it's a pick em fight. Yeah, dude, I totally agree with you cuz I mean, I'm one of those people. I think the de facto champion is Holloway. I thought he beat Volkanovski and yes, it's as we said, it's a contentious decision. I don't think it was a robbery, all that kind of stuff, but it was I thought it was good enough to give to Max Holloway and just for that question to be up there tells you how big of a fight it is for Cater. If Cater beats him, I mean, how do you not give the guy a title shot after that? The the, the only other person that I could see up there is Brian Ortega. Um, of course, he was still only coming off of one win, though. You know, he had incredible performance against Korean Zombie, but he had just, like, literally almost died to Holloway in his last fight before that. He'd been gone for almost two years. You know, it's pretty crazy to think about now. But, man, I think Cater is really, really good. It's just one of those things where it's like, maybe his time isn't now. I mean, he, he has all the opportunity in the world to prove me wrong in that statement and make me eat that. But I do think that Holloway is probably, I mean, if you beat the champion, how do you not consider that guy the best in the world, you know? Um, yeah, I, I think um, one thing I was thinking about as you're talking there um, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I think Cater, if you look at that top cluster there in that division, mm-hmm. I think Holloway is probably the best matchup for him, as in the most favorable matchup for Cater. Because when you go into Ortega, Volkanovski, these guys can rely heavily on their grappling when the striking isn't working for them. Whereas Holloway, it's always been about his strike and how slick he is, how he gets in and out. But Cater obviously wants to keep this fight standing as well. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think... Um maybe maybe we'll see the most success early on for Cater. I think it'll be kind of similar, you know, to the Brian Ortega fight in that sense. Not necessarily exactly style-wise. Obviously, Ortega is great on the feet. Um, but I, I do think that Cater's boxing is really outstanding, and I think we'll see that surge ahead in the early rounds. But so is freaking Holloway's man I mean bringing it back to the Ortega fight again he was coaching him during the fight and showing him how to do proper defense inside the cage which is just unreal I don't think I've ever seen that in a fight period not once you know and so I think once it gets to the third the fourth and the fifth round his cardio will do its magic and that that'll be the real question 
does Cater's cardio stack up? I think their boxing is really um, comparable. I think it's really um, commensurate. You know, I, I feel like the two of them, they clash really, really nicely on the feet. The thing is, though, it's like uh, somebody put out a stat of just how many punches Holloway's taken. He's never once gone down. He's definitely been rocks. We saw that in the Poirier fight where he's a little bit wobbly, but he never actually went down. Dude's got a granite chin. He's got cardio for days, and he actually gets faster as the fight goes on. And usually it's the third that we really see that surge ahead. Isn't it insane that um, we're having this conversation about Holloway, whether he, you know, how how important this fight is in terms of his relevancy in the championship conversation. When he bet Ortega, we were like, this guy can't Ooh. be touched. Who Who's actually going to beat this dude? You know, and now it's like, oh, I wonder if he can stay relevant, you know? And I, I, I know I, I don't feel that way, but it's obviously going to be the narrative of this fight because Cater needs someone to bleed him into that championship conversation. So... If he's going there, it means Holloway isn't. And it's not mm. so long ago where we were thinking, like, no one is going to touch Holloway for a long, long time in this division. Yeah, that, that Volkanovski fight in the first one, I thought for sure Volkanovski won that one. So that's the interesting thing about their, you know, kind of back and forth battle so far. But, man, yeah, like, when you look at that, you look at the two versions of Aldo. I mean, Aldo, like... I've been saying this for the longest time. Aldo still looks incredible. He looked incredible yeah. in those fights. Like, he was going after Holloway. Like, again, it comes back to that granite chin. And his just cardio took over. The thing was, like, Aldo was hitting him with bombs. And he was just like, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm just going to keep coming. I'm going to speed up, too. Like, I'm going to get even faster. Like, if you watch those fights, you look at how big those shots were. It's just unbelievable how much punish like punishment Holloway took like they were just simple jabs it's unbelievable and so I think I mean Volkanovsky too let's not forget man that guy knocks out everybody you know I think his big breakout performance with Chad Mendez where he TKO'd him you know the guy's got crazy 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 power stocky as hell and let's not forget I mean he only decisioned um Aldo as as well to put that in a point towards Aldo that was a really really tough fight and uh, I thought he performed beautifully there and and in my opinion, Holloway beat him when they fought the second time. So for Cater, I think there are more questions of the Danny Gay fight was obviously great, but I, I, I mean, call me crazy. I think there's a little bit of a difference in levels between Ige and Holloway. And I thought his cardio looked great there. I thought his Holloway looked, or his, his Holloway, his, his cardio looked notably great in the Zabit fight. And everybody was complaining about how it was only three rounds and how Zabit was starting to tire and all these things. So Cater looked good then. But we're going to have some real questions answered. I mean, it's a tremendously important fight. Huge, huge for the Dude, division. I'm just thinking as you're saying that, right? Zabit has this nightmare 2020. You know, doesn't compete like he wanted to. He's beaten Cater. And Cater, Cater potentially <laughs> leapfrogs him now, right? Yeah. Like he, he, he leapfrogs him if he beats Holloway. That's insane. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a rough place to be. It, it, like, it felt like he lost the moral battle there. I tend to believe the idea that he did have staff. People said that, that he had staff. Uh, his corner said that after the fight with Cater. I don't really have any reason to disbelieve that. Um, of course, it's an excuse to say this is why I was losing gas, but. I feel like we've seen him do well in fights before. We were talking about the Bochniak fight. I thought he still looked great all the way till the final bill. And that, that of course, was only a three-rounder as well. 
But um, we never really seen him gas in the way that we saw the Cater one. And I felt like that was a bit of an anomaly. But, yeah, that's what happens, man. If you're not competing and you're on the sidelines, people do start to pretty quickly look past you, unfortunately. And that's, I mean, in 2020, if there's any time that it's going to happen. Jake Tebow says that he gassed in the um, Bochniak fight, too. Man, I really don't remember him gassing. I remember that fight being just a war right to the very end, and Bochniak was still throwing. I remember them like embracing right afterwards. Maybe he slowed down. Uh, I, like I, I feel like I remember him slowing down, but gassed? I don't think so. I think he still. I think won he the got third. to slow down. I think, I think he, he still won the third down. round in that fight, if I remember. But yeah, you got to slow down unless you are Holloway. So what are you gonna do? But but I mean, if if he starts going into a fire fight with Bochniak in that fight, it's exactly what he wants. So if if, mm. if he's winning two rounds clearly, and then Bochniak knows, like, I need to win the fight here. I'm going to come out like a lunatic and swing from the hip. What's the point in meeting him in the middle of the cage mm. and planting your feet and doing exactly the same thing? Mm. It's his only chance of winning the fight. That's why I read it. I understand um, if he perceived it differently, but I, I, I don't think you could say it was a big indication that he doesn't have good stamina, you know? Faith Rocks has a really good point here. Fighting with staff is really irresponsible. Watch a fighter get sued for giving their opponent staff someday. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some famous cases of that. The Kevin Lee versus Tony Ferguson one is probably the most infamous case where you could literally see it on the guy's, like, chest. (laughs) How about Kevin Randleman when when he could see the fibers in his arm? Did you ever see that? that, Google that picture. Yeah, actually, do you mind doing that for us when you get a chance, Lawton? Google Kevin Randleman staff. So, all right, we're going to give you guys a bit of a content warning here. Did we test out the scene? It might it might yes, look wrong for a second. Okay, cool. Oh, yes. God. So, content warning, guys. This shit is like. Why'd y'all make me Google this? Damn. <laughs> when you can see it's like it's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger takes oh off his God, uh, flesh, and you can see his exoskeleton in Terminator, but it's not an exoskeleton. It's a man's tendons. <laughs> you never, you never like. You never get this stuff out of your brain. Like it will stay this picture, like all these pictures will stay in your head for the rest of your life. Cause it's just unreal. It's like, I don't even understand how that's possible. It's like, it's like when you see somebody on an anti-gravity machine, it just looks wrong because they're literally outside of the earth's like gravitational pool. That's what it feels like. They're like, why isn't he dead? Like, how, <laughs> like, uh, in, uh, sorry, that's really poor phrasing. I mean, in this photo, like, um, all, all the respect in the world to random, that? that's really poor phrasing, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? Like, why, how is he still alive in that photo? Like, how is he not gushing blood and just bleeding out right there? It's just absolutely what? insane, man. Oh, I know it's dude. not breaking news or anything, but it, it really does stand as a testament to how absolutely ridiculously subhuman he was in terms of his durability. Mm. Like the fact he was walking around for a few years like this and people were like, hey, Kevin, you should probably get that one checked out. Do you know that big abyss in your arm? Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's healthy, you know? <laughs> hey, man, I, I was just uh, I, I was just walking by and I happened to see you with your shirt off and I just thought maybe... Maybe you should go to the doctor or something. I, I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. Just a nice. Maybe it's completely normal. Maybe it's maybe. <laughs> maybe it's, it's normal. Maybe it's normal. <laughs> <laughs> Too sheepish to just be like, dude. Please go to the doctor. Please, please, please go now. Dude, that's great. Um. Oh Jesus, people are saying some god awful things in the comments. Not worse than what I said, probably. 
Um, we got a um, a super chat from Arminian Jiu-Jitsu. That's the correct username, by the way. I like talking to you on YouTube because you have the, the username I'm used to. Funnier accent, Amanda Hebus or Oscar Koshika? Kokoshka? Kokoshka. Have you I'm trying make to make me it. come out here and talk about funny accents? I'll let Jay <laughs> do that one, okay? Jesus. Honestly, um, I feel like the uh, the only thing that's kind of odd about Amanda Hebus is when she starts to laugh, she gets kind of like, uh, she gets super into it. But when she just like talking, it's, it's fine. It's not really the accent. It's more the laugh, I would say. Oscar, you know I, actually, I, I don't about? know what Oscar sounds like. I honestly don't. Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? I was watching, um, I think, uh, Mike Bond interviewed um, yes. Hebus recently. And I was, I was watching the interview. And I was thinking, imagine she's actually a really negative person, like really <laughs> like hates everything. And now she just has to do this all the time when they put cameras on her because everyone's first question is like, how does it feel to be the happiest person in all of the UFC? And she's like, oh, yes. <laughs> Dude, like it'll be very funny. when the Chappelle show got really famous, I remember that they, they did the Wayne Brady sketch because Wayne Brady was like the most nicest, like lovable guy. And then they made a skit that he was like a gangster. It was the best thing ever. It's like, that's Amanda Hebus. She's Wayne Brady of the UFC. 2020. Heard it here for us, guys. I love it, man. That would just be amazing. She's just like, Oh fuck this shit, man. She's just like, I hate this sport. I hate these fans. I hate Mike Bond. <laughs> I hate happiness. <laughs> Dude, so interesting. Um, Oscar from Hey Arnold. Oh, Jesus. That's a great one, dude. Oh, Oscar. You keep the money. That's my best That's my best impression of Oscar from Hey Arnold. You keep the money. That's a Nickelodeon cartoon. American fans rejoice from the 90s. There we go. Football nice one. Head. Move it, football head. Uh, I love the 90s references. There he is. There's Oscar. I don't, I don't know if they're seeing them on screen. Might as well. There's no reason to really show you guys this, but welcome to American culture, people. That's Oscar. Money-grubbing asshole is what he was. <laughs> you keep the money. That was like his big like moment is when he told his wife she could keep the money, and she was like, oh, Oscar. That's all I got for you guys. Try, try to pull you in on it. That's a tough one. That's a does tough he look one. Like, does he look like Edmund Tarverdian, or is that just my imagination? <laughs> Oh, that's oh. incredible, dude. Head movement. <laughs> um, anyhow, so let's move it um, on to the uh, the kind of the big news of the day. Leon and uh, so Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shamayev has been rebooked. This is the third time. Um, what's the other fight? Usman versus Burns just got rebooked for the third time. It's like so many cancellations in 2020 this is just one of the last ones here do the kermit voice jto says maybe later we gotta earn that one um so yeah what are your thoughts on this i mean uh, uh actually one of our writers rob Palin, had a great tweet about this he was like nope not getting excited yet not doing it not doing it what do you think are you uh yeah how are you looking at this one i'd be um along the same lines as rob to be honest because like the the thing that's sticking out to me about this Jay is both of these guys not only had COVID but they had COVID complications. They had complications with the illness after it. Yeah. Um. You know, it was discovered that they had it. So, you know, obviously we're seeing this being booked a whole like a good bit out. Like I mean, it's two months until March thirteenth. 
we don't usually see that in this era of the UFC. So mm. I'm guessing that that means that they are booking this in the hopes that they are back to 100% by March 13th. They're giving them eight weeks, whatever it is. I just think it's incredibly risky. I think you're running the risk massively of this fight being cancelled again by announcing a date. Um, I think, again, that gap suggests to me that right now they aren't ready to go. That doesn't surprise me given all the reports about Leon losing weight, the complications Hamzat has had. I think they've um, they've put the cart up before the horse here, to be honest. Um, I'd love the fight. I really want the fight to happen. I know a lot of people... Um, you know, wanted other bookings for the likes of Hamzat. I, I know a lot of the people who watch this show aren't big fans of Leon, but Leon went after Magni. You know, he tried to get these fights to happen. It just didn't come off. But, um, yeah, I think it's very, it's very, um, I, I just think it's, it's too soon, too soon to book it again. And, and for so far off, I think, uh, I think they might've rushed that one through to be honest. And I hope I stand corrected on March 13th. So is it the right fight to be booking? Like, cause, it's kind of like what you said the last time it fell out. You're like, this isn't the fight I think I needed. Uh, but now I feel like my whole life, it was my whole life when it got, you know, taken away. Um, yeah. I mean, wh- who else do you really book them against? I, I mean, obviously there's Wonder Boy out there who challenged Leon. Um, Hamzad, I mean, it's literally anybody in the top 15 you could put him up against that doesn't have a fight already. Um, and you could justify that. What What are your thoughts on that one? Do you think this should be getting rebooked i didn't think it should have been booked in the first place mm-hmm. but when you heard leon out like this is the biggest scalp outside of the title conversation i agree with him there i mean he is the golden goose uh for dana white in 2020 you saw them sitting beside each other all pally pally um dana loves this kid leon on the other hand i don't think he likes him so much if you're gonna pull him from the roster because he won't accept the fight in the first place I don't think he likes Leon that much. So I think this is a great way to drive a dagger into the heart of the UFC for Leon. <laughs> but also, like, if, if you're Dana in the UFC, you've already moved heaven and earth to make this happen. You've threatened the guy's job to make this happen, basically. Mm. So if you're going to do that, I think you've got to stick with it. I see it, it's it's at this point that you need to stick to your guns. So I understand it from that perspective. And who are you going to put Leon against? Like, is there an alternative? Like, he's offering to fight Magni here. Um, If you don't want him to fight guys like that who are in a similar situation to him, Hamzat makes way more sense. Mm. Yeah. Um, Here's a good question from Luke Hennigan. Thank you for the $2.29 super chat. Is the winner of Leon versus Hamzat 100, if it is 100%, should they be the number one contender for the title? Um, So I'll kind of. Leon should already be the number one contender. That's my, my opinion. Well, so we, we've also got, uh, you know, supposedly uh, there's been a lot of rumors that they'll be the first tough coaches back. It'll be Colby and Jorge, which I think makes all the sense in the world because, I mean, I think it's a show that we reluctantly are going to watch when it comes back. I mean, honestly, I probably won't watch 99% of it. I'll probably do what I've done for the last few seasons to just kind of catch what's important and move on, you know? But if you have that star power, then it makes you want to watch a whole lot more. I'll at least watch the first episode and see if I'm if I can get back into it again. I, obviously, I loved you know the first few seasons, but it just lost its luster over time. So I think that's who they're in the running with. But it just depends on when that's booked. So let's say they do have that show coming out in March. Well, then they're not going to fight if that show comes out in March until at least April or May. So then what is Usman up to? Usman's just waiting. 
So do they have that fight? And let's say they come out relatively unscathed three months later, the winner of that Leon versus Hamzat fight could be up in the running for a summer title bout against Usman. So then I think if they really are coaching the ultimate fighter, it might be a bit too late. You know, they might be a bit late in that running. They might be the ones that wait for a title shot. So Colby or Jorge, whoever wins that, if they're fighting in April or, or, or May, I doubt they're going to turn around real quick and do an Usman fight, especially in Jorge's case. If he managed to win, I actually have Colby winning that fight, by the way. But if Jorge wins, I doubt he's going to try to take another short notice fight. He's going to, like, because obviously that didn't go very well for him. He made a ton of money, mm-hmm. but Usman obviously dominated that fight. So I say it depends on how the booking is. I think they're more keen to want to do the star power move of Colby versus Jorge. If I have to pick, honestly, I probably would say Leon. Mm. I've been well, saying this for is a the long thing, time. Man. Like you look at, you know, Demetrius Johnson, what was one of the things that kind of led to him not being this popular guy, apparently, is the fact that there was a lack of fresh challengers for him in the division. Mm. If you just want to keep Usman going from Masvidal to Colby, you know what I mean? Like this is this is all the people I see ahead of um, Leon in the conversation every time it's brought up, and he's already fought them. Mm. So why, if you're the UFC, wouldn't you put Leon into that situation if he beats the Golden Boy? Yeah, I mean, and I guess you'd have to put that around the other way too. I mean, if Hamza, especially if Hamza does something incredible, the way his career has looked up until this point, not just in the UFC but also in Brave. I mean, he was killing people in Brave as well. If he can do that to the number three guy, everybody's going to be like title shot. And, and, you know, speaking of Wonderboy, a couple of people mentioned him in the chat and we were talking about him uh, versus Leon Edwards. When he finished, you know, even this, even though this was towards the end of Johnny Hendricks, the way that he finished him, people were screaming title shot after that. And I think um, Hamzat would be in a similar position. It would be in a Here's the problem with position. the Hamzat thing, though. Mm. Here's my problem with the Hamzat situation. It's nearly like, right, we have cage warriors here. If you're the champion of cage warriors, you go to the UFC or so it's perceived. But the other side of that is, if you're a prospect and you get the cage warriors belt around your waist, there's Mm. no more easy matchups. You're either fighting guys who are vying for that position or UFC veterans or something to get you to that UFC card. So then, by booking Hamzat against Leon, you've really pressed the accelerator right to the ground. Yeah. You have nowhere to go now. If he beats Leon, you can only put him in against the cream of the crop. I think Leon is the cream of the crop. But they, I, I think, <laughs> and I've said this since day one, I think they've removed a lot of fun of what could have been with Hamzat by booking him against Leon. That's my main issue with it. There was so many other fights you could have put him in. You could have made him fight every month against guys far lower down the, the food chain. But now that they've committed him to Leon he will only go forward. Even if he, if he loses a close fight to Leon, I can't imagine he's going to be thrown back into the dredges of the division. I, I, I'd say it's going to be names from here on out, and that is because they booked him against Leon Edwards, one of the greatest welterweights in the world. Yeah, so let's not forget that either. You know, On that note, being one of the greatest, period. So what happens if he just starches Hamzat in the first round? You know, Let's say he pulls a GM3 and just knocks him out first punch. I doubt that's going to happen, but I would doubt that for anybody in any case, that's just very rare for the first punch to land to knock somebody out. Uh, let's say that happens. What the hell do you do with Hamza then? Because then it's like, oh shit, he doesn't belong in the top five. Like, whoops, whoops, back up, back up. 
I agree, man. I think the worst thing that could possibly happen, though, is even worse than that, is if it goes to rounds four or five mm. and he is just getting outclassed, he's getting beat from pillar to post, and it's slowly becoming painfully... Um, it, it's become painfully obvious that he isn't of that ilk. I yeah. think that would be so damaging. Like, imagine, right, after the GM3 fight, um, how much value was there in Hamza? I mean, it was sky high. If you could were putting valuations, yeah. uh, if there was some type of trading system between Bellator and the UFC, Hamza would have been so valuable. As mm. in, this is a guy everybody wants to see. I think they've run the risk of completely devaluing by putting him in this fight. And it's not to say I don't think he's brilliant. I do think he's brilliant. I do think he's a future champion, absolutely. But you have given us no indication that he is ready for that level of fighter from the fights you've put him in so far. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's almost like a capturing your imagination type kind of scenario. You know, it's... Mm. Um, I don't want to compare it to this too much. I don't want to be too hyperbolic about this. But there is a bit of that, you know, Mayweather-McGregor kind of vibe in the sense that, like... Obviously, they're in the same sport. Hamza has more credentials, so that's why I mean I don't want it to be too hyperbolic. I just mean there's a hint of it. So it's not like, oh, yeah, he's going to a sport he's never been in. Not not to that extent, but it is just going into a ridiculously, you know, shark-infested deep water, you know, really, really, really jumping in. And I don't even think he deserves top 15 status, if I'm being honest, based on his wins. Is he a top 15 level talent? Probably. So there's that part of me that is more sympathetic to it. He probably is, you know, did he earn that with this lone 170 pound fight against Reese McKee, who's a 155 or with not a lot of wrestling experience? No, sorry. You know, um, as much as good as I want to say about Reese McKee and his career and the things that he's done, I can't necessarily give that to him, man. I mean, it's just... Uh, a top 15 spot off that is, I do think is still a bit controversial, more controversial than it should be. So I guess to answer your question though, so let's say he does make it into the fourth and fifth round. It does become one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe he just, you know, went in a little over his head, but he still performed decently well. Then you got to put him up against Neil, who is somebody that they were calling for for a while, because then they're in almost the exact same situation. We got a top prospect where maybe it's just a bit too soon. Jeff Neal, I think he can do wonders, but, you know, going up against Wonder Boy, it didn't really necessarily go his direction because it was a bit too soon. Yeah, I didn't mean to say wonder twice like that. (laughs) Um, I liked it. I liked it. I was like, I have to emphasize Wonder Boy differently than I said wonder the first time. So um, they would be in a very similar position. Uh, Highly touted prospects have all the potential in the world. Maybe it was just a bit too soon for him. Let's put those two up against each other. I think that would be a pretty fair place to go with it after that. But man, it's, um, yeah. And that's what I meant earlier. You know, it feels like it is capturing your imagination. You want to see if this guy can do something that, I mean, when was the last time you seen somebody do that? When was the last time you seen somebody just show up out of nowhere? They're in the title picture. Like, Izzy had like five fights in 2018. Um, and then he had three fights in 2019, you know. Um, he fought a lot. He And yes, Hamzat fought three times, but not quite as much. And he didn't move up the ladder quite as much uh, inside the organization. Like we had at least like the Derek Brunson fight, and then we had the Anderson Silva fight. And do I think that necessar- that should have necessitated a interim title fight at Anderson Silva's point in his career against Izzy? Probably not, but there was something there. 
um, that said, okay, he's beaten some some good mid tier names. We haven't even seen that out of Hamza yet. But I guess it's the the thing, Jay. Like he's out of nowhere. It's like McGregor came in. He was a two time Cage Warriors champion. That's a known commodity. Uh, two MMA fans in that part of the world. Yeah. Hamzat was known, but on a very limited basis because he had what five fights before he went to the UFC. Like, I mean, you know, you you can look you can look amazing in five fights, but it's just the fact that he's come from absolutely nowhere and just completely blitzed everything that's been put in front of him. I guess that's what makes him so different. But how fun was that, man? That's what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, it was yeah, so yeah. much fun just watching him coming in and and blitzing a guy, then blitzing another guy, then blitzing another guy. Like, yeah, they could have done that. And he could have earned a lot of money. He could have done that just three more times already. <laughs> man, man, it would have been lapping it up. Like, and yeah. I think he's absolutely capable of doing it. So it was a misstep for me. I feel you on that 100%. Um, man, yeah, there's just so much to think about there. And I, I think it's a really, I mean, I'm, I'm all about this fight. So don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm kind of playing both sides of the argument here. So don't take me as hating on Hamza, but... You know, there's some very real questions to answer. There just is. They just, uh, until he gets through those tests, those questions are going to stay out there. And to your point, talking about Cage Warriors and Connor having two belts and, you know, Bisbing and some of the bigger champions that have come over and done really well in the UFC, I do think that Brave is pretty quickly turning into that. Um, and obviously that's where, yeah, I mean, he was a headliner there before he came to the UFC, Hamza was. And I do feel like it's starting to become that. Because, I mean, even on my prospects list, I mean, who knows? Maybe they could all lose and crash and burn. But I had a bunch of brave people on my prospect list, like a bunch of brave people. Brave is starting to emerge, man. They are starting to emerge. It's a killer organization um, regionally. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever watched a Brave event live? They have a a five-minute highlight reel on how the Prince of Bahrain is the savior of the world, kissing babies, all this kind of stuff. It's very bizarre. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of problems there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you want to get really deep into that, you know, um, yeah, it's it's not necessarily the cleanest money on the planet. um, Hey, but look, 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 look. We had uh, the Donny Trump um, intro into the UFC as well, so we're all we're all doing a bit of that. Hey man, we're all doing a bit of let's that. Let's just give the world leaders their platform. Let's just give them that before every single one. Why? Yeah. Why is it MMA? I just always think like, why is it MMA that this is happening? It's crazy. I mean, this is getting really far into it. We're, I don't want to get too far into politics, but a lot of people are talking about with that with Kadyrov. Um, you know, so yeah. let's get really deep into it. You know, if you guys have seen the documentary Icarus. You know, they were talking about how it's a big, 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 big move to have. And I don't know what it is. I mean, it does seem to be a universal thing, as you're pointing out here, to have big athletes coming from your country. In the Russian Olympics, the one that, you know, Icarus covered in detail of them just blatantly, blatantly cheating. I mean, like, so here's the thing. For people who haven't seen that documentary, essentially it was almost, I mean, we'll say it's 60% of their athletes to found out that they were cheating without a doubt found out they found samples that were contaminated in a back room. So what they had was they literally had their equivalent of USADA RUSADA is what it's called. They had their building next to a KGB (laughs) office. And so they had like, literally they had like false walls and shit. So they were like catering shit out through a back wall and then next next door is the KGB building. So they would just take it over there and they would come back with clean samples and voila, good to go. The athletes were all good to go. And um, 
there was a lot of talk about how that was like a big political move. A lot of countries, they like to put their heads of state at the beginning of athletic events. And I don't really understand why that's become a fixture, but there is something that that says about your country and how well it's doing. And it's very, very, very strange. Yeah. And to your point, Jay, like, I mean, the Russians were that bad that they banned the Olympic team from competing in the Olympics. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. We're all right to say that, I think. Somebody said the KGB hasn't been a thing for years. So what's, what's it called now? Whatever the KGB equivalent is now, KGB, Russia. Rus FBI. Is it like USADA? <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah, it's like Rusada. Um it literally is Rusada. Dude, I don't even know. I don't know what the KGB is called, but it's that that equivalent of it. Like it was their government building. Anyhow. But like, we're, yeah, we're talking absolute shite now. We don't have a clue what we're talking about, to be fair. <laughs> I don't Yeah, like I mean, here's the thing, like the moment you get into anything remotely political. I just feel like people's brains just turn to mush. Like, even if you say something yeah. that's FSB, thank you, Faith Rocks, that's what it's called. People just automatically, I'm not even, I'm literally saying, like, nothing about anyone. Like, I'm not saying, like, any political affiliation. You don't even know what I believe, but I feel like there are people out there that just think that the moment you start talking about it, they'll just take it the opposite direction and just run with it. It's like, I don't know. But anyhow, let's just move it on. Um, chemtrails bro chemtrails baby look into it Armenian Jiu Jitsu <laughs> five bucks bigger betrayal TJ over team alpha male or Sean Mo Michaels over Marty Jannetty more 90s references uh, we're gonna go with uh, Sean Michaels over Marty Jannetty there we go uh, Luke Hennigan $2.29 if Leon starches Hamzat he gets the hype he needs you're absolutely right about that I mean if he starches one of the best in the planet I mean uh, like I've been literally saying for years that Leon has been the guy that's counted out and that he deserves more attention from the fans. I, I've been saying that over and over and over again. Uh, and then if Hamza just starches them, I mean, you can't build a guy up and then say it's worth nothing. So, yeah, I agree with you, Luke. Curry Neba gives us $100 in his currency. I will predict the opposite, whatever Brendan Shaw predicts Hamza personally. <laughs> that is a good call. That is a very good call, my friend. <laughs> Oh my that's the God. most sense that's been spoken on this podcast so far <laughs> dude that's great most common sense laid down just now Dixon Cider $5 we love that username we'll always say it out loud any speculation of who the UFC will match Nick Diaz up against at 155 I think you mean Nate Diaz I know Dana said they're working on it I'm honestly doubtful to happen yeah so um Oscar from the Mac Life did an interview with Dana White this morning where Dana White detailed that they are working on a fight for Nate Diaz so actually I'll throw this question to you he wouldn't reveal who it was we eliminated that was RDA there was kind of a veiled question there <laughs> where he was like is it another welterweight that's coming down to 155 and I guess you can't really consider Nate Diaz a welterweight but he fought there a couple times I think he's always been 155 or who's just moonlighted at 170, kind of like Connor has. But so RDA looks to be out of the picture. He pretty much def definitively said that. Who do you give Nate Diaz at 155 like Dana's planning? I think this is a fight that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know the opponent I'm about to mention would really love it. Oh. And it also gives Nate Diaz an opportunity to uh, get back into that title conversation. My suggestion is Paul Felder. 
I think Paul Ooh. Felder is a great call. It's an entertaining fight. He has always been knocking on the door of the title conversation, but not quite getting in. Mm. Nate Diaz is a name that surpasses any name he's fought in terms of traction, in terms of popularity. Um, and from Nate's point of view, Felder's right there. If I beat Felder, I'm up with the likes of Hooker, Poirier, all these guys. So I think I'm definitely going to go with Felder as my suggested matchup at 155. And if it's at 170, give me Robbie Lawler v. Nate Diaz, please. Mm. Uh, dude, <laughs> Nick Diaz. That's what I want to see. I want to see that rematch, um, especially mm. where they're at in their careers because I don't know. I don't know if Nick is really back. Um, they keep saying he's going to come back this year. Um, so, so we just got the rankings pulled up here. Um, so Justin Gaethje's book, Dustin Poirier's book, Charles Oliveira is tentatively booked with Justin Gaethje. So I guess I kind of lied. They're tentatively booked. Conor McGregor is obviously booked. Tony Ferguson, Dana outright said, no, it's not Tony Ferguson. So then there's Dan Hooker who's booked RDA. That's the one that he eliminated. So Paul Felder, I mean, if you want to talk about being up in the rankings, Paul Felder is the highest person up in the rankings who's available right now outside of Tony Ferguson, who he already said wasn't going to happen. So that's a pretty damn good name. Diego Fajaya, I don't think it would be him, although I think he deserves all the respect. Diego Fajaya is a dark horse in the division right now. Eli Quinta, probably not. Kevin Lee, probably not. But Neil Darius, that's a great fucking fight. But Neil Darius has had one of the best 2020s of any athlete in MMA. Islam Makachev, no way. Uh, although All that right, Jay, probably Jay, fun. Jay, Jay, huh. Jay, Just get UFC to send me the invoice. It's Paul Felder. Don't <laughs> fuck around here. It's Paul Felder. It's obviously Paul Felder. I love it, man. Um, Come on. Who else? Who else are you going to put Nate Diaz in with there? None of, all the other guys at the top ain't going to do shit. They're all going to want to fight for the title coming off whatever happens in their fights. Diaz, Felder, Felder has literally called out Nate Diaz before. Yeah. I mean, that that is right there. Who like? I mean, what, what's Nate going to say? He, he's not in a prominent position. If you beat Paul Felder, everything opens back up. The, mm. Even the McGregor fight, if he's coming off the Poirier thing, who knows? You just need to get in and win. Mm. That should be the only thing he's trying to do here. And he gets to look good in a Paul Felder fight because Paul Felder isn't going near the ground. He's going to fight. He's going to yeah. meet you in the middle of the ring, and he's going to go hell for leather. It's Paul Felder. Hell for leather? Hell for leather. Leather? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I, I like it. It's Irish saying. I'll, I'll, I'll adopt it. Um, let's see. Mubarak says, Jason, love you, buddy. <laughs> well, so who should Nate Diaz fight if it's not Paul Felder? Because... Honestly, when you look at that, I mean, they were, they were even talking like he might be in the mix after that. I don't think he should be in the mix after a Paul Felder fight. I'll be real with you on that. He might be. Mate, Conor McGregor's in the mix after beating Donald Cerrone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I didn't think he should have been either, though. So, <laughs> I, I know, but what, we, what, what matters to us obviously doesn't matter to the UFC. True, true. Does anybody have any names out there? Some people are saying Kevin Lee. I don't know if they're necessarily serious about that one. Because, I mean, I think Kevin Lee's a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that Tony Ferguson fight that he had was, you know, one of his best fights. I'm One of the guys ranked just below him is Gregor Gillespie. Talk about a KO. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not really seeing it. Tony would definitely be the name, but he did rule that out in the interview. He said it's not Tony. It's Paul Feller. Yeah, I mean... Jesus Christ, man. Is there just somebody not in the top five that we're thinking about? At 155, who else could it even be? Somebody new coming to the UFC? 
Is there somebody I'm that? Touching my F. <laughs> he cut all the way down to 155. Jeez, can you imagine a 155 Shemayev? Um, yeah, everybody's just saying Tony. I mean, I fully agree with you. Tony would be the best possible fight that I think of when um when I think of big name value and marquee value. That would be the biggest one. But he said no. That's not booked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying I'm agreeing for people that aren't booked. That would be the best one. Um, listen, listen. I don't know what to tell you. I've already given you the answer. That's the answer. It's an, <laughs> it's an idea as we pop out there. All right. We can do this all day, commenters. Masvidal at 155? Oh, yeah, because he loves fighting at 155. <laughs> Come on. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah, man. I, I think you win this one. I think you got it, man. Paul Felder. That's got to be it, dude. Um, I mean, he could just be straight up lying, though. Dana could just be straight up lying. We've seen that a How billion da- times. Da- How what? dare Dana you? Lying. <laughs> Dana lying. Oh, I've heard it all now, Jason. I've Never, ever, now. ever. Oh, my hey, God. Hey, the UFC is not for sale, by the way. Um, I'm, sick. I'm, I, I'm not going to have Dana's name dragged through the dirt. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I will not have it. He's never lied. Um, he doesn't know the meaning of the word lie. Yeah. It's like that movie Just with Ricky bomb. Gervais, the in, in, invention of lying. It's not even happened yet. No one lies. And Dana White, people be like, oh, Dana, do you want to watch this film, The Invention of Lying? And he's like, sorry, I don't understand what that film What's is that about. Word? There's a word at the end. Never heard of it. <laughs> like lying down? The invention. <laughs> I sleep, I, I sleep four hours a night. I don't do that either. So it's so good for him. Here's a great question for you. Um, Armenian Jiu-Jitsu says, Worcester Warrior, Andy Wang or the Ultimate Warrior? That's for you. Because you just got a new what, shirt. What? Andy Wang or the Ultimate Warrior? Who's the Worcester Warrior? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's got it. Oh, my God. He's got it on underneath. What are you saying? <laughs> Who's the worst warrior? <laughs> Dad, I love you. Never forget... Oh, you I love my dad. Very, very similar uh, physiques, oh. as you can see. Um, <laughs> worst, who's a worse warrior? I mean, that's the greatest. That is the ultimate warrior. That's like saying, what's the best fighting system? The best and the answer isn't ultimate fighting. Come on. The ultimate <laughs> is always the pinnacle. The greatest warrior of all time. He would have killed every single champion in every single division if they had got him into MMA. Opportunity missed Dana White. That's the most incredible thing that's ever happened on this live chat is I ask you about a t-shirt and you literally, we're, like, we didn't plan that. It's not like we were like, hey, Armenian, at uh, 1 p.m. Uh, Central Time, can you go ahead and send us a super chat? Uh, and he's going to have it on underneath your shirt. Okay, you ready? All right, fire it up, fire it up. No, <laughs> you literally just had that ready to go, dude. That's incredible, dude. Holy I shit. I wear t-shirts with my dad's image on them all the time. I love you, dad. <laughs> I mean, Papa Warrior. I haven't heard a lot from you. I haven't heard from him in many, many years, but I love the guy. He's uh Oh, sorry, yeah. He's uh We had to make another uh we had to make another Randleman in this uh in this live Jesus chat. Christ. We were just fucking up left and right. Good stuff. Good good stuff. Uh, moving on. We're having fun. Um Dixon Sider or no, we already read the one from Dixon Sider, but at least I got to say Dixon Sider three more times. Um the one Eddie Bravo that one Eddie Bravo GIF, look into it. Thank you for looking into it. And he gave us $5 in Californian currency. I appreciate it. I'm just going to stop making that. Californian currency joke. is the best dollars I hear. I hear they have a high, <laughs> really high market value. 
Super high, dude. Well, um, let's see. Um, yeah, I guess uh, kind of hit us up with some other questions. We were kind of working up the Kumite, but we didn't get it quite ready. Um, there are a few other things I wanted to talk about, but I'm stalling, trying to see what else we actually had planned there. Um, yeah, just go ahead and get any questions out in the meantime. Well, I guess I'll just ask you this question because I wanted to ask you this one anyway. So if you watch the interview that Dana White did with Brett Okamoto the other day, he was saying that the athlete that he had his eye the most on in 2020 was actually John Jones. Um, just because heavyweight move, is he going to stay back down? Are we going to see the fight with Izzy? Um, who do you most have your eye on? Who are you most excited about seeing this year? And who do you think has the most interesting story? Okay, I told the world about Roberto Saldic in 2018. Mm. I told you all, you need to look at this guy. He's amazing. At the beginning of 2020, I told you to have a look at Hamzat Shemaev. Everyone's like, oh, this guy is, don't care. And then they're all pretending that Did they you knew at the end of 2020? about four months into the year. <laughs> <laughs> at the start of 2020, and you know end? it, Jay. Don't even start. He Don't said even at the start. end of 2020. You know I had this. Your prospect list was ridiculous compared to mine, and I oh. was restricted to one continent. One continent is all I have to deal with, and they're not allowed to be in the UFC. I'm the best at it. <laughs> if there's one fighter you should all look at from Europe this year, it's Saladin Parnas. In KSW, he is the featherweight champion. He's absolutely unbelievable. He's like 22. He's French. He is unbelievable. He He's unbeaten. I think he's 15, 16 and 0. Mm. The guy is absolutely incredible, and he looks like a young Anderson Silva or something. His striking is absolutely exceptional. I don't want to hear anyone pretending that I haven't told you when this guy eventually makes it to the big time. I think he can go all the way. Now, there is always that gap of when you get to the UFC, it can be a big learning curve. We saw that with Gamrot recently, uh, a double yeah. champion on the KSW banner. But... This guy is so young, I don't think he can miss. I think he's real to KSW this year, but by the end of 2021, I think he's going to be knocking on the door. I'm most excited about his career this year, I have to say. What do you think about Roberto? Saldic, I think he's brilliant. I think he's already there. I know Sean Shelby really wants him. Them, mm-hmm. them conversations have already happened. Um, for me, it's all about KSW keeping him in interesting fights. He just had his debut at 185. I think the Kaladov fight is the biggest possible fight they could put on under the KSW banner at the moment. I have my fingers and toes crossed that happens. But really, if that happens, I want to see it in one of those epic stadium shows that they do with like over 50,000 people there. Because it deserves it, right? I know we're a long way from that due to the condition of the world, but that is that is something I would love to see in 2020. Dude, we were just talking Jesus. about this yesterday. Like, if you miss the pageantry of, like, pride and, and, like, how just incredible everything looked, I think KSW gives them a run for their money. Like, their stadium shows, when they really book it out, they broke the attendance record. Um, what was that for KSW 40, I believe it was? Like, they really, really packed 39. it. 39. 39. So that was the one that had about 56,000 fans in there. Absolutely packed the place. And it looked phenomenal. Like the way they light up the place, how they make it feel like the old school gladiator type kind of vibe. Um, I, I don't really understand how they necessarily pulled it off. It's actually over my head, but it's a really underrated. Like their production value is just ridiculous. Do you know what's crazy, Jay, as well? During the the lockdown, they were doing, as everyone was, behind closed doors events, but they had different lighting setups for every event. So mm. every event had a different theme, a different look. Wow. I just think that's extraordinary, you know, attention to detail for an event. Unbelievable. Because look, the UFC, 
they go to a different town. It doesn't sometimes feel like they're in a new town when you just see the outside. That's usually at the start of the pay-per-view. Here's what outside looks like. And now we're back into the same thing you see every single event. So I, I think they deserve um, top marks for being able to do that. Me and a couple okay, of my so friends, like uh, Anthony Walker, you know, who is one of our writers, we had a bit of a uh, a playful bet. We were like, all right, Anderson Silva, the spider, already goes along with the Halloween theme. Obviously fought Uriah Hall on October 31st, and when they announced it, it was like, is the UFC going to try to do anything different? And we were just like, and probably not, but just for fun, you know, some of us took the bet that they wouldn't. Of course, they didn't do anything for it. And that's the thing, like, that's my critique of Reebok. That's what I hope Venom changes. It's like, dude, like, yeah, you got all these opportunities to make it feel different. Make it feel like epic. You know, it's like, it's like, think of if the Olympics, like they go to Rio, you know, remember when they went to Rio and there was all that just like really cool, like Brazilian culture that got brought out. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about the Sochi Olympics. We just got done talking about that. Every place that they go to for the Olympics, it feels like a massive spectacle, you know, and it doesn't detract from the sport. You know, it's not like, cause I think you can do that too, where it's like, oh man, this is just too gimmicky. It's pro wrestling. Ultimate warrior is about to walk out with PT wearing a shirt, you know, like <laughs> with that. <laughs> he's ready um it could go that route but if you present it in the correct way it just makes the event feel bigger it improves the atmosphere it gets you more into it you know like i don't understand why it hasn't been taken in that direction because i mean for all the talk that's always being said about how this is an entertainment business um I feel like the UFC doesn't normally pitch in their efforts on that. And to a certain extent, yeah, they shouldn't because it is a sport. But, I mean, just think of, like, NFL games. They do themed games all the time. You know, we were talking about in your New Year's Eve video, like the big Thanksgiving Day, you know, football games mm -hmm. that happen. Um, I mean, it, I just don't understand why it doesn't get taken advantage of anymore. And you could say that we're kind of... I don't know. It just makes events more memorable. You know what I mean? I think yeah. we're always going to have those events that we always think of, like UFC 217. You know, that was the second time they went to New York. 205, the first time they went to New York since, you know, the 90s, since the Buffalo, you know, ban that happened. What was that, like 98, 97? Um, you do have certain events, but, you know. But it's like there's value in it as well. Like that's yeah. why there's bidding wars for every Olympics. There's bidding wars yeah. for every soccer world cup because the people want the thing to happen in their culture so they can show the world, Hey, this is a great place. You should probably want to come here. This is a good thing. And if the UFC could start doing that, it would up their value and it would up their importance when they were coming to these countries. Like, I mean, I'm thinking back to when they came here in 2014 with Connor Um, you know, the theme that ran through that, not it wasn't so much visual, but the amount of Irish people on the card really put the Irish fighters across, you know? It, it's it's a different way of doing it, um, but I would love to see them actually, you know, make graphics, different things like yeah. that to really give you an idea of, even though you can't see outside, we know where we are from just the, the details, the, the production that is on the screen. I think that would be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there's a fine line between over-tasteful, you know, like if they went with a Halloween thing and we're watching it 10 years from now <laughs> and you're seeing like spider webs in the background and stuff like that, like, okay, that might look a little bit weird on a highlight reel. Like, why is there a fucking like giant spider in the background? <laughs> like, the animatronic. dressed up as Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He literally dresses up as Uncle Fester. Every, every meme yeah. is diehard, like. <laughs> fan uh it actually happens um yeah i mean it's just it just gets a bit bland you know don't 
don't over template things and that's what i hope they change when venom comes around it's like i would never wear camo like bryce mitchell wore camo you know like i come from a military background it's nothing i have anything against camo it's just not my thing but he wore it and that was his individuality it's like that's cool like i remember when they banned cowboy from wearing an american flag on his shorts like i think what he did was like he took out a, a certain section and tried to sew an american flag underneath to where it would show through and they had a problem with that it was just like yeah. i just don't get it because i feel like individuality is really important to the sport you know um huge but anyhow um let's see dixon cider asked thoughts on mason jones Oh, I love this kid. Mason Jones, for me, is one of the most impressive fighters in the world um, that's coming into the UFC. Mm. He is obviously the lightweight champion and welterweight champion. But, I mean, people, like, every fighter is going to tell you, oh, I take on anyone at any time. This guy is sitting on the golden ticket. Like, he has yeah. the lightweight belt for cage warriors. He doesn't need to do anything at that stage apart from defend the belt or answer the phone when Dana Point rings it. Then they get the welterweight title vacated, and suddenly... He's like, I want to fight the number one contender at welterweight just because. I want to mm. show uh, that I can do this. Now, when we theorized of, of this matchup, Adam Proctor, who was Alex Unlin's protege, an unbelievable fighter, um, really disciplined, doesn't ever put himself out there, stays sharp, a brilliant fighter by all means. Mason goes in and knocks him out. Mm. At, at, at 15 pounds heavier than you know he's usually competing at. I think the guy is absolutely quality. He is going to feed into this massive thing that's happening in Wales at the moment yeah. with the likes of Jack Shore, um, Richard Shore, his, his father who's coaching all these guys. Exactly. Brett Jones has just gone to Bellator. But this is going to absolutely mm. stimulate the fan base more than anything can out in Wales. It's an unbelievable time for them. I think Jones is is brilliant. Look, this guy, this guy is sparred in Mayweather's gym as a boxer. I think he's a black belt in judo. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Like, I mean, he's so well-rounded. It's unbelievable. Um, I think he has a professional boxing record. I'm not too sure on that, mm. but he's literally done everything. Oh, and his partner, his girlfriend, is um, a Commonwealth Games um, athlete for the UK in Taekwondo. Like, he always tells me after he fights that his girlfriend, like, completely rips the shit out of him for the kicks he throws. She <laughs> criticizes him on everything. I think Mason is great. Um, he's grown from strength to strength, and um, I can't wait to see him in there. Uh, he's got a big debut this month. I can only find three um mason jones boxing uh fights but he won all of them so i mean it, that's the thing about boxing it's just so much harder to follow he could have 40 fights <laughs> there's only three listed there you would never know but yeah great point i think mason jones i mean we talk about this all the time we talked about this you know when i talked about jack shore in my video for the prospects video when um people come out of cage warriors and they're champions you just know that they're they're going to be coming in with some pretty big steam. You know, like if, if you have that kind of lineage, you're coming from a prestigious organization like that coming to the UFC, it's one of the absolute best starts that you can get. I mean, it's like being an LFA champion in the States, a Cage Fury fighting champion in, in, in the States. You know, it's one of those bigger leagues outside. And, and you, you never know where they'll be in a couple of years. Right now, I think they act as a bit of a feeder league to the UFC, but I feel like they can be much more than that in just a couple of years. Um, well they actually want that like that's the mm -hmm. that's the big thing about them like i mean they said like the the big like when you talk to graham boylan the the owner of cage warriors the president sorry he always says the biggest problem with most promotions is they're all trying to be the ufc yeah he said the best thing about cage warriors is they know what they are mm. 
they are providing a path to the biggest show in the world. Yeah. And that in itself is hugely valuable. As I've said to you before, Jay, hmm. I prefer to watch Cage Warriors events than most UFC events. Yeah. Because there's a hunger there that you just don't see in, in a lot of UFC fights. They're all getting bled against each other. If you lose, you're out of the picture. You've knocked your career back three, four fights because the goal is to get to the UFC and the only way you're guaranteed to do that is have the belt. It's mm. an unbelievable promotion. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see what they're going to do here in 2020. They just need to change that damn canvas. I know we've talked about that, like about how the technology that they use in the canvas. I just, I'm always going to be thinking that Dolby fight, you know? But uh, yeah, tremendous organization, man. Absolutely all about them. Um, and we're kind of selling this to you guys just because we think everybody should be watching them. They, they don't get enough credit. Um, especially from American are. fans. If you don't know what they are and you walk up on me for a chat and you and I'm like, here, <laughs> see Cage Warriors last week, and you'd be like, what's Cage Warriors? That's the end of the conversation. I just walk away. <laughs> I don't want so to talk to you You don't deserve anymore. this. Don't come at me with this action. <laughs> um, moving it on, our mini jiu-jitsu, five bucks. This is all planned, by the way. Thanks for the $100. Uh, yeah, we gave you $100 to mention the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, and Tracy Cortez will be 125-pound champ, you piece of crap. Have a good day, mate. Wow. Okay, that's a bold Remember, prediction. Was that was was that the guy that was getting onto us about his girlfriend? Yeah, his uh, girlfriend's Tracy Cortez. Valentina's gonna kill your girlfriend, man. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, Tarek uh top ten UFC curses. Oh, Felder, Drake. Oh, game cover. What? What do you mean for Drake. Felder? Yeah, Drake definitely. Um. Yeah, the game cover, I feel like that finally got broken by Izzy. Izzy broke that. Jorge obviously lost his fight this year. I mean, they just announced it, and then he fights Usman and loses. Um, but Izzy, I think, kind of broke that. I mean, Wasn't there a sponsor one? There was like a sponsor they brought on at one stage, oh, and if you were sponsored by them, if you Nike? were like a brand ambassador for them. No, it was like Reebok I would or something say that Nike, came in though, around. Because Nike, it was right after they started sponsoring John Jones. He has the... Biggest blow up, even to this day of his career, which is hitting the pregnant lady yeah. and then running away and coming back and getting, getting uh, what did he grab? Like just a bunch of cash? He was on coke or whatever. Load of weed. Load of yeah. I mean, he's high as shit. Um, so more power to him. Nike, I would say, because the the same thing happened for JDS. JDS just got sponsored in Brazil by them, and then he gets wrecked by Kane in the second fight. He wore Nike on his shorts, and that was the. If it was if it was the first fight, different story, you know. Second fight. What happened to Anderson and Nike? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I really wanted one of those spider nose T-shirts because it was just so cool. It was really clean looking because it was just a swoosh and that written on it. And I was like, that actually looks really kind of mainstream. I'm used to seeing infected pit bulls <laughs> with eye with blood kind of coming out of their eyes on, on most MMA t-shirts at the time, if you remember. They were the massive shirts, massive shirts. They would have it go all the way across the chest, and then it's going across the arms too. It's just massive, massive, massive. <laughs> yeah, dude, the affliction days were rough. Um, RVCA was the only one that didn't really annoy me during that phase. They were lovely. Like, they were lovely, yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, man. BJ Penn too, so there's a, a tie with it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see if anybody else had any thoughts on that, but I'm not not quite seeing anything about it. But um, there, there was one shop in Dublin that uh, supplied the affliction clothes, and when you went in, <laughs> it was just a bunch of bunch of dudes around uh, 18 to 30 trying to look as hard as possible uh, with their tap out 
um, hats on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do you have the Vandalay silver one in yet, dear? Oh, dude. Is it big enough to fit these yokes? <laughs> when I was, um, yeah, when I was first getting into the sport and when I would go to events, what I would see was it was like a lot of 40-year-old dudes who kind of had a decent amount of money and they would be with like a 20-year-old chick and all power to them, I guess. But like it was always, it always just kind of came off the, like this thing of, oh, yeah, you have like kids. Why don't you just go worry about maybe that then just try, <laughs> I don't know. Like it just came off as like the biggest, like tryhards on the planet after they're past, like their prime and trying to relive the glory days. I don't know. Maybe they go play the in a Creed upset. rock band afterwards. Like, <laughs> yeah, the bedazzled jeans. That was the thing. Oh, they upset me because you're trying to say you're like the heart of masculinity. It's like, I am man. I got an affliction shirt on. <laughs> By the way, do you like these bedazzled jeans? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> you got rhinestone Whoa. on your jeans, dude. Is, what the fuck? Is that sequence of the ass pocket? <laughs> Look pretty cute. <laughs> Love that floral pattern on those pockets, on those ass pockets in particular. I just never understood it. Meanwhile, you're trying to say you're the toughest dude on the planet. But um, Aringa Tangerine, that took me a second to read. Nice username, $2. Supposedly gone versus Rosenstruck on the 13th. So that's the same fight card as Leon Edwards and Hamzat. Holy shit, that's a great fight. Man, I might take gone there. I might take gone. Oh, yeah. All day long. I think Rosenstruck's got, you know, one hitter quitter power, so he could finish at any time. I just think gone's got more skill. He's a fantastic striker, you know. Like you're, you're talking about a guy who was so um, well versed in the striking arts that two and zero, he was the TKO champion in Canada. This is a guy from France, mm. and then all of a sudden he's into the UFC and he's taking care of business every time he's been in there. And he's even shown us new wrinkles to his game. Like he has submission wins in the UFC, which I wouldn't have fathomed in a million years. And look, he has a coach that's already done this. He's already taken a guy from absolute newcomer to the UFC title, and that was Francis Ngannou. I know he didn't win the UFC title, but he fought for it. Um, right, so I don't right. think he could be in Brandon Lopez. Yeah, so you did a pretty explosive interview with him. Uh, did I, I can't remember. Did he reveal like what Gon's take was on that whole thing? Did that ever get talked about? Like, wh- how does Gon? What's his relationship with Nganu now? Well, he we talked to Gan about it. Like, and Gan was like, "I don't have any personal beef with him," but like he goes, "I'd be crazy." to say like oh this whole situation isn't going to play into a fight if it happens he says the Nganu fight will absolutely happen one day mm. he's completely aware of that it's not personal to him but he could understand if it means a lot to his coach obviously after the rift between him and um, Nganu man fascinating yeah I that's mean, a perfect main event for France right the first event oh in France God. there's no better main event yeah if he gets through that I mean I don't know what we're doing with Stipe and Nganu at this point um because yeah, ideally that would need to happen. But by the end of 2021, you know, we get Steep A versus Nganu happening and we'll see where that lands. Um, and then we'll maybe see where we this do, fight lands. Um, by the end of 2021, maybe, it could happen. Yeah, and like, I mean, we could always get Nganu to fight Jake Paul to see who the number one contender <laughs> is, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's really contentious, man. That would be the fight of the century right there. Um, I mean, nobody knows who'd win that one. Jesus. Um all right, we're going to hang up with uh, PT now. It's <laughs> <laughs> great knowing you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, he, he's actually got some very... Weeks, it was a fun few weeks, but... It was fun, man. This is it. He actually is going to go off and just watch a bunch of Jake Paul's videos, actually. He's he's not Love even him. busy. Um, what a guy. 
Joe McKeown uh, has a great, uh, I'm sure I mispronounced that, $4.99 super right. chat. He says, most, uh, mostly likely, oh, I think he meant to write, most likely to be next British champion, Leon or Till or someone else. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been saying this for years. Like the person to put your hat on is not Till. It's not, you know, Jimmy Manua because there was a lot of hype around him at one point. It's Leon. It absolutely is. I mean, look what happened. So let, let's look. Let's compare. They both fought Cerrone, and of course, Till did it in a uh, a quick way with a knockout. Had a nice button on it. But dude, like, I don't know if anybody remembers the interview after Leon beat Cerrone. Cerrone was just like talking about how messed up he was in that fight. He had all kinds of like internal bleeding going on. He was having trouble breathing. That guy went through hell in the loss to Leon Edwards. Leon messed him up in that fight, and. There's no spark off of that. It's like, what is going on here? Mm. I've been saying forever, put your hat on Leon Edwards. Hang your hat on that guy. I'd say, um, yeah, absolutely. Look, like if it's a world champion, any organization? Say again? Did he ask who would be the oh, next world champion? Any he just said next likely UFC? British champion. The implication is that it's UFC. That's, that's what I, I read I, out of them. I think, I think Brett Johns is a good shot at 135 in Bellator, though. I really oh, yeah. I think he's very, very yeah, I think he's very, very good. Yeah, Brett Johns is fantastic. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody that would necessarily be that close. A lot of people are talking about Tom Aspinall. I think he could be pretty great. I don't know if he'll be towards a title shot by the end of this year, but, I mean, he's definitely one of the prospects to be looking for. He's a for. big fight coming up against Arlovsky, right? That's a big fight oh, does for him. He? I missed that. Yeah, yeah, I think they Yeah, Look, Aspinall's great. Um He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'd love to see him on the ground more. Um, we haven't seen him a lot on the ground. Um, we know he packs that wallop. You know, he, he's been a he's been kind of under the radar in the UK for a long time. He went and he professionally boxed for a while. He actually trained with Tyson Fury a good few times. Then came back to Cage Warriors and off to the UFC. But you know, I, I do expect him to get through Andre Arlovsky. But I'm really interested to see how he gets on with like a, you know, a, a top talent, a, a guy who's in a similar situation to him with his career ahead of him. I mean, what would that look like? That's yeah. what I want to see. And after and after he does something like that, we can 100% get excited. Like, who would you pick in a fight against Aspinall and Gan right now? Who would you pick? Gan, yeah, yeah, same, same. I have to say, like, I'm not, I'm not saying Tom can't be brilliant. Uh, I know Nick Peace um, from the Fight Disciples is huge on him. Mm -hmm. um, I know. Look, and he and he has absolutely brilliant hands. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, Nick Pete. But um, I, I honestly, the jury's still out for me on whether he can be an elite, elite talent. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of hope coming out of there, man. There's there's a lot of really great talent. I mean, Jack Shore, I think, is absolutely some people. People brilliant. should be hot, uh, like super hyped about Jack Shore. I think he's outstanding. You know, you know, we were just talking about him a minute ago as a Welsh, you know, standout. That region is kind of blowing up right now. It feels like. Um, well, so then let's move it on. I'm trying to catch up with these. Um, Rosenstruck versus uh, Gone got announced as Dixon Sider. So we just talked about that. We both had Gone for the pick there. Armenian Jiu Jitsu. I think Pete was talking about body armor and Ultimate Warrior is overrated. What? He was. He's right about the body armor thing. He's 100% right about that. Oh. About the ultimate fighter, uh, ultimate warrior thing? You're dead wrong, Armenian Jiu-Jitsu. And I took that personally. Jay Tivo, Arnold Allen is ranked number nine. Dude, thank you for saying that. I knew I was forgetting a big name in there. Arnold Allen is legit. Sorry to just cut off the whole joke thing there. <laughs> but 
yeah, dude, Arnold Allen is dope, dude. Like, um, yeah, I can't wait to see what he does in 2020. Okay, okay. Like, I, I love this. Like, every time you don't mention every single fighter, they jump down your <laughs> neck like you forgot someone. I've interviewed Arnold a whole lot in my career. I've interviewed him for a long time, back from his cage warriors days. But do I think he has more of a chance than Leon Edwards of being the champion right now? No. Not right now. No. All right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your mouth, shut it. Shut it. Now, J Tivo's cool. J Tivo's cool. I don't think he meant it that way. Fuck you, J Tivo. Wait, what? Um, I'm sending mixed messages, it almost feels like. I'm not sure where I'm going with that. But, um, yeah, so... Oh, wow. Okay, there it is. No, it's not. I didn't save the file. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> thought I had... Because I had the Kumite ready to go, but I didn't save it. Son of a bitch. I don't know. Um, yeah, is there uh, anything else that we kind of want to chat about? We might wrap it up here, but sooner, just because we got some writing to do this week. Are you Big ready? Week coming Are you up. ready? Are you ready? Are you mm. ready? I'm going to ask you this. Habib and Dana's conversation. Ah, Does it result in Habib back this year? (sighs) Man, is that a tough question to answer. You know, if you would ask me back in October, so he fought, what, October 24th was UFC 254. I thought for sure it was for real. But with Dana saying it so many times, you know, Dana lying, oh, what, what? Uh, Of course, you know, Dana could be wrong about this. But I, I, I do think, like, he really thinks he's going to come back when it comes to, you know, his manager, Ali Abdelaziz. Um, he thinks he's going to come back. He's, you know, tweeted out 30 and 0. You know, he's he said things to go along with that. And I do think it's true. You know, the underlying reason is that he did say to his dad, you know, 30 and 0. And that's a tough one because then you're choosing between parents. I mean, that's a, a kind of a weird situation to be in. But I do think, like, why don't people retire? I think that's a bigger bigger point here. Why don't people retire when they say they retire? What's the biggest reason? It's because they know they can just they can push it a little bit further. If there's somebody who lost a bunch of times, Chuck Liddell thought he could come back. He was even saying after the Tito loss, you know, so this is the most devastating, you know, like return I think I've ever seen is his return back. And he was still saying he might try to come back. There's always that thing that you see with these athletes and they tell you point blank, there's just that little bit there that says, I can push it further. I can push it further. And then there's just something about that 30 and 0. You know, it's like, it's, it's almost like, you know, <laughs> just stacking things together. And it's just like one thing's just a little bit off. You know, it's like, you know, you just finished cleaning a room. And you're just like, ah, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. This, this painting is just a little off. It's great. The room looks incredible. I've done my job. It's the worst analogy I've ever made, but you get the point. It's just like, it's just like this little bit. I I do think that, I think that 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 glory will get him there. And I, the great thing about this too is, I think it's lit a fire under John Jones as well. So I mean, we can talk about that as well. I think John Jones is pissed that people are saying that this guy is the best in the world. And of course, I don't think John Jones will ever science the naysayers, but. Yeah, what, what do you think? So we can move on to the John Jones after that. But what do you think? Do you think he's coming back? I don't think he needs to. Like, like to your point, Jay, like, we don't see enough guys gracefully hang up their gloves in this sport. And as I've said already on this show before, 
there is pretty much no better way to finish your career in, in terms of like retiring from MMA mm. as the way Habib has done it there. True. I mean, it's an emotional farewell to the sport. It's a technically beautiful fight from him. He literally does exactly what he wants to Gaethje once he has him on the ground. And this, the guy who is meant to be the biggest threat to his grappling onslaughts to date. Mm. I think he has, he has done perfectly um, to, to, you know, mm. set off into the sunset. Um, I think if Dana White wants him back, there's one easy thing to do here. Find out what his mother likes. If his mother's holding the keys <laughs> to the situation, does she like cars? Does she like chocolate? Does she like clothes? Find out, man. Right. It's obviously the way to do it. Just get in with the ma, get her on board, and then Habib will come. It's as easy as that. Why did you do that? Oh, that's great, man. Um, well, so here's, here's another point that's really adjacent to this. Why didn't Connor retire? Like, because he's the greatest fighter of all time. He's the greatest fighter. So, so like, <laughs> here's one of the things. So, like, um, Jay Tivo brought up a point here. He said, "I think Habib has the cornering, teaching, promoting, etc., to occupy his mind." But I think most fighters have that. You know, most of these big fighters that retire and they end up coming back anyway. Like, so the thing about Connor and the reason why I bring up Connor is everybody was like, "Dude, he fought Mayweather. He made a hundred million dollars." He can go off, and he already did. He started a whiskey company, you know. He and he could have stopped then too. He could have stopped with a beep fight. He's got all the money in the world. Why doesn't he come back? And the thing is, I think when you have everything in the world, what do you want most? The thing you can't have sandwich. And, <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> we can plate each other's sandwiches. That's correct. Um, absolutely, hundred percent true. But I mean, w- when nothing has meaning anymore, you know, it's like. This is the dumb, so I'm going to keep going forward with these really dumbass analogies. So it's like when I was a kid, I'm a 90s kid. You know, we got done talking about Ultimate Warrior, Hey Arnold, all this shit. You know, like when I was a kid, I had a Sega Genesis. You know, it was a Sega Master System for, you know, the UK fans, uh, European fans. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember back in the day, it was just like the best thing in the world when your parents spent $50 to buy you the game that you wanted, you know, like Sonic 3 was the big one for my eighth birthday. What up? Aging myself there by saying that. But like, I remember that stuff being so incredible, but now you can just get an emulator and play the games. And it's, it's almost like it happens where you just pull it up and you're just like, eh, I don't want that. And I know this is a stupid analogy, but I think there's a kernel of, you know, just kind of relatability there. It's like, well, once you have the games, they don't really matter anymore. You know, once you have all the toys on the planet, why do you give a fuck about them? They're like, oh yeah, let me get another yacht. You know, it's like, if you already have a yacht, you're probably doing all right. You know what I mean? Like in Connor's case, you know, having all the cars and things like that. Habib is rich beyond rich, beyond rich, beyond rich. There's nothing in his life that will give him the fulfillment and the exhilaration of fighting. And I think that's what happens to a lot of these these talents, you know, I'm trying to bring it down to the most relatable level ever, you know, cause I think we experience it in the dumbest small ways of, uh, you know, what happens in our lives. But for a big athlete like that, there's nothing more that you can do that will ever, ever, ever come close to the glory of that moment. And people were hailing him as the best on the planet. Like that's a drug, man. I, I think uh, the reason McGregor came back is, because he wasn't happy with the way it finished with Habib. Not only the way it finished with Habib in terms of the fight, but the whole build-up um, put him in a place that he hadn't been before in terms of his public persona. He wasn't adored like he had been yeah. in 2015, yeah. 2014. He was adored. 
Like, yeah. I mean, he was being held up by my generation here in Ireland as like, mm-hmm. this is what we all want to be. Young, wealthy, uh, pursuing our passions in life and being successful. And then when you look at it after the Habib fight, he's a defeated champion. He's a guy that's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons since that fight with Mayweather. I think he came back to remind the people of what he can be. And to be fair, right? I know Connor hasn't behaved very well for a mm. long time, but from 2020 to now, he, he's been pretty good. It's been, it's been like a, a big transformation as far as I'm concerned. And we saw that from the Cerrone fight um, up until now. So I think you got to commend them. We talk about these things that happen outside the cage all the time and how it's affecting them. We got to pat the guy in the back as well when he's doing a good job. So I think, I think that was a big factor in it. I think he came back to to win back um, his status among the fans, among people yeah. in general. Um, so I, th- I think that was probably the biggest factor in it. And I mean, but as well way, as that, I think that's it. I think it's the same for Abib because it's still status. It's still like because mm. here's the thing: if he hits thirty and zero. What people are saying about twenty nine and zero? What happens when he hits thirty and zero and retires? The game gets up. Here's the thing for you, right? Here we go. Floyd Mayweather. Who did he fight to get to fifty and zero? <laughs> he fought Connor. Do you know what Habib needs to do? Jake fight Paul. Connor. Jake oh. Paul. Thirty and zero. Thirty and zero. Jake Paul, dude. Who's gonna win? He Who's needs gonna to win? A, a, a non MMA fighter. That's what it is. That's how you get to that magic number. But that, I think that's the thing, though. It's like I don't think no one retires on time because they're they're just like, oh yeah, I got all the toys on the planet and I'm busy with that. That's the reason why no one retires in time because they're just they're bored, you know. It's the that achievement, that allure, that greatness. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all like social beings, you know. We're not this autonomous thing where it's like, oh man, I've got my TV now. I've got my computer now. Now life is dope. I have no more achievements left. I don't think, I mean, I think people find solace and stuff like that. So I don't want to, you know, downgrade the value of, you know, entertainment and things like that, but people want more than that. You know, life complete, mate. Life Life complete. complete. (laughs) I don't need anything else. Right. This is it. This is my last live chat. Thanks very much guys. (laughs) What's well, like even like the richest people on the planet. It's like, you know, you think of the Jeff Bezos and uh, I think uh, he just got passed by Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're actually chasing money. Like, I think that's a part of it. I think the achievement is there, but it's like the things behind it. Cause who gives a fuck? It's like I said, you buy another yacht. Who gives a shit, dude? Nobody does. You don't even care because it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, to them, they just spent a couple of pennies. It's nothing, you know? I, I think if any so of them are that bored with their money, um, I can send you a DM of my address. <laughs> I am willing to get that hunger back. You can send me all your cash. Get your hunger then, back, baby. You know what I mean? It's providing a service, basically, is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I think it's it's fascinating because, I mean, it's like, I think what we're getting at the root of by talking about this stuff is like, what's the root of you know, the reason why people fight anyway. And uh, Faith Rock says it becomes who they are. There's a there's a sense of identity built into it too. Because it's like, um, I've mentioned this before, there's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and there's this whole quest that they go on to try to find what is the greatest, uh, what is the answer to life and everything. And there's like a joke answer that gets spun out. And um, the guy who's trying to search for it is like the president of the universe, the super dorky, but he <laughs> afterwards he's just like, well, I guess I'll find something for my entire life to be about. 
like something else for my entire life to be about. Cause I feel like that's what happens. You get to the top of the mountain. And it's just like, well, fuck, I'm just like done. I just go into like retirement now. And I just like bounce, you know, the grandkids on my knee and tell them stories. You know, that that's it. That's it. It's just done. Just like that. Well, for, for like McGregor, right? He's what we're talking about here. <clears throat> Is his fight career the catalyst for every single business he has? Proper 12, the McGregor fast thing, um, mm. all this stuff. Does that survive if he's not fighting? I don't, th- I don't know. Because if you think about him fighting, the Habib fight, all this stuff were huge uh, launch pads for all of these brands. Um, McGregor fast gets highlighted every time he's fighting. Um, all of these things rely heavily on his fight career still happening. Is that one of the reasons? Yeah, I think that is. There's no doubt that it is. I think a big part of that too, though, is like just being in the public eye, you know? Like if you can figure out a way to still do that. I mean, lots of athletes figure out ways to, you know, whether they go into television careers, they go into a a different career altogether. I mean, that's the difference between fighting and, you know, we'll say NFL football here in the States. Once you're out there, unless you're like a Brett Favre who came back a million times, once the the sport... Favre, um, once the sport pushes you out in those leagues, you're just, you're legit done. You don't have anywhere else to go. You can try to go to like a minor league or something like that, but that's not really worth it. The difference between MMA is like whether you get just absolutely trampled on and fight somebody, people are still going to watch it. That's the difference. It's like if you're kicked out of the NFL for kind of being aged, you know, like out of your prime, you're not going back to the NFL because then you're in a team atmosphere and they're like, no, we're going to lose if we have you as our starting quarterback. We're going to lose if we have you as our wide receiver, whatever the position might be. We need someone that can do the job, you know? That's the difference between MMA. There's no built-in kind of safety net that goes quite as close as that. And there are definitely stories like Junior Seau who had tremendous CTE and had false retirements and came back and it ended up being the thing that ended his life pretty tragically. So, I mean, not to say that there aren't exceptions to that rule, but that's the crazy thing because the only thing you that's just stopping gotta get, them from coming back is them. That's it. You, Everybody wants you to just gotta get, just gotta get the ball. <laughs> that's what I always say. Dude, you, you understand know? football so well. I, I running the ball. I mean, um, it's a football. Yeah. You see it? It's <laughs> Let's go, D. Let's, Let's go. <laughs> go team. Go team. Yay. Anyhow. Um, love, love those ball, ball players. Awesome. It's great. Yeah, they they play with the balls and they're good. Um, somebody said what, 42, what by the way. Um, I appreciate the people that are getting the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy references. And uh, Faith Rocks jumped in there as well. But, uh, yeah, and people are saying great book, by the way. Hey, there we go, Douglas Adams. All right, we got some fans up in here. I didn't go too far off the deep end. Appreciate you guys. But, yeah, I think... Um, I'll be starting an NFL podcast next week <laughs> if you guys want to tune into that. Take you right through the end zones and the basket. Oh, I mean, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We'll do it next week with That's- Brett Favre. Yeah, there you go. that's honestly like one of the best ideas I've ever heard of in my entire life is starting a podcast about something you don't know dick about. And that's the entire point. It's just to fuck up everything. It's like, oh, yeah, I was watching the Premier League. Um, did I say it right? Um, and they were playing soccer. I'll have, like have like mainstream guests. have like Tom Brady come on to my show. I'll be like, so you're, um, you're one of those guys out there, huh? <laughs> 
but you you talk like you talk like one of those people that doesn't know shit about it but you act confident as fuck about it. it's like all right so um when you toss around the pigskin um does it does it hurt when you get tackled because uh, i think it would um i don't oh, dude that would be incredible to start a podcast like that the most unintentionally yeah dude faith rocks nailed it the stephen a smith podcast yes stephen a smith experience i love it that's exactly hey, dude, what it dude. is Dude, imagine this if we have the studio in London or whatever and we get a guy to come in and interview people like that. Like, we leave. We don't have any say. We just get a guy that can be really confident and just stand there and we'll send in, like, high-profile MMA people and just see how long they last in the room. That would be even better. So, like, we just give them questions and we're just like, all right, these are the best questions we can come up with. We know you don't really watch the sport, but just, you know, go for it. We gave you the best questions, but we really give them terrible questions. <laughs> and then just watch them <laughs> melt through the, the course of the interview as the, the guy they're talking so to. So just what like I'm amazing. hearing is I'm about to start doing interviews. Yes. Is that, is that, <laughs> the casual is strikes. That, is that what I'm hearing? You guys are about to set me up to do interviews and I'm just going to tank them and have no idea what I'm doing? Oh, my God. It'd be amazing. This is the best Brandon idea Schaub's we've ever years. come up with. Holy <laughs> shit. I will be the new Brendan Schaub. Great. Well, um, so... Just to kind of wrap up, let's see, kind of looking, can you pull up the card actually for this weekend? Just a chance to kind of go through it. So there's some other interesting fights on here. Our boy Santiago Ponsonibio is finally back, dude. Can you believe that? Um, Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. That's a great fight um, for the stage of their careers that they're in. I think it makes more sense than just kind of feeding them to the young. Um, who would you have in that fight at this stage in their career? Retirement. <laughs> retirement beats both of them don't need to see this don't need to see this um santiago ponzanibio versus Li jingliang um like that one that's great i'm always gonna hold the the gunner nelson fight with the repeated eye pokes against santiago but i i do still think he's legit i'm gonna go with uh, santiago they're both like knockout artists man like talk about a great fight to put on the main card speaking of knockout tough artists, as fuck tough as shit dude they can take some. Mm. They can take some blows. Joaquin Buckley versus um, Alessio DiCurcio. I think that's how you say it. Sorry, just casual time. No. Who do you got there? I got Joaquin, man. I think you know. I, I thought, as probably a lot of people did after the KO of Rimpa, KO of the year, maybe KO of all time. Um, you know, I wanted to see a bit more from him. But in his next bout, he was really good against an unbeaten guy again. So I mean, if you're putting away unbeaten prospects like that. I think you can handle uh, Alessio, to be honest. Mm. Skipping ahead here to the undercard, they got Phil Paz back. So, he, I mean, he's coming off an incredible knockout himself. Um, Nasordin Imavov, I think is how you say that. But, um, ooh, interesting there. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any other ones. But I think it's a great main card in particular. The um, the undercard looks good, too. Justin Toff is back against Carlos Felipe. That'll be a fun one. Um it's going to be more knockout based if Justin Tuff has his way. If it goes to the ground, whoops. But anyway, interesting fights. I think it's good. We finally got fights back. Looking forward to it. Then we got Wednesday as well. And then, I mean, next week is just going to be insane. Sorry for your sleep schedule. Anybody on the UK, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sleep schedule. Jesus Christ, Europe in general. 
But um, yeah, so I say we wrap it up with that. Um, really enjoy doing these things. You guys are super awesome. Really appreciate it. Um, we do have a Twitch chat going on today. So if you guys want to join in on that, Tom uh, will be making an appearance with Mac Malley on our Twitch channel. So make sure you check that out. Um, we do have the Discord in our description as well, I believe. So if anybody wants to join our Discord, get involved and keep these conversations going. That's the greatest, pl greatest place for that. And then, uh, yeah. You also have, so actually, let's announce this right now. You just tweeted out something really special. You, so this is the thing I keep talking about every week. Like, I don't know how the hell we got you on here, dude. But you just did uh, some work with BT Sport, didn't you? Yeah, we did um, a few things around Dublin. Um, I'd say I was greatly assisted by the fact that nobody could travel to Dublin in this scenario. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we, just, um, we just put something out on... Um, mcgregor and what he means to his hometown of crumlin we filmed there uh, last week it was the week before i'm not too sure mm. um but it went really well i think we have another thing coming out as well um, i'm not too sure about that but uh obviously great to be um working with the broadcast partners of the ufc over here um it's been something i wanted to do for a long time so glad we could make it happen um, so that's two big fish in a matter of months, MMA on point and BT Sport. I think I'm going to have a good year, guys. I think I'm going to have a good year. It feels so wrong to hear those two things back to back. It's just like, no, BT Sport's up here. We're just like down here. But man, we- No, got... you're not. That would be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, I need less of that now. We are going to the top, baby. Believe me. I love it, man. We got some uh, big interviews that we're trying to get. You know, we'll see what happens. We got some more content with Chandler coming up next week, some more coverage in general, some great work that you've done yourself, PT, that will be going up. We got a video with you on Sunday that I'm really excited about. Um, so, yeah, keep it locked here on MMA on Point. You'll see a video coming up tomorrow from our channel, as always. And, uh, yeah, we're even working on a preview show for um, UFC 257. So a lot of cool stuff coming up. And, of course, I mean, the coverage next week is just going to be so much fun to talk about all this stuff. So appreciate you guys. Enjoy our video tomorrow. Enjoy the fights on Saturday. Enjoy Twitch. All the things that we just mentioned. Appreciate you guys. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. We will see you on the next video. Peace out, y'all.